going on, family? It's your man, K. Mark. Welcome you back to another episode of the 310 Podcast. Uh, first and foremost, let me get the formalities out the way. Happy Thanksgiving to each and every one of you. I uh, want to thank you all for tuning in and listening throughout the years. Um, I know that there are times where I've been a little bit inconsistent with putting out product and content, but however, um, I want to thank you guys just for sticking with me, sticking by me, promoting the show and whatnot. Um, it really means a lot. It really, really does. Um, basically, um, this show, um, just kind of want to get caught up with week 11 as well as preview week 12 of uh, this coming NFL season, uh, NFL uh, week. Um, right now, I mean, we uh, had a little thriller in the Motor City, uh, the Lions uh, and, and Bills. The Bills ended up winning uh, 25-22. I'll get into that in a moment. But other than that, yeah, we'll be talking about that. We'll talk about some um, NFL news, including where will OBJ land, as well as uh, just recapping of the uh, World Series, since I didn't really get around to doing it. I'll definitely recap that real quickly. We'll talk about some college and the big games that are coming up this weekend, as well as uh, the NBA. Um, the Lakers continue to flounder. However, I mean, some, some, signs of, some signs of life, and we'll definitely tap into that, as well as the ongoing saga for the last three decades, three or four decades between Isaiah Thomas and Michael Jordan. So with that being said, uh, if you want to get in contact with the show, hit me up at the310podcast at gmail.com. If you want to find me on Twitter, hit me up at MrKmar81. And with that being said, hey, let's get to it. everybody let's get into it so looking back at last week's um some of last week's games um a few of them kind of stood out to me i mean let's just run through them hey the uh, tennessee titans on thursday night being the green bay packers um this is one of those matchups where i mean you can see that i mean the packers they definitely they solely use all allocate all their resources to stop derrick henry and with that with that taking place Ryan Tannehill had a field day against the Packers defense, passing for well over 300 yards. And overall, it was a nice balanced effort by um, by the Tennessee Titans as they were able to win in Green Bay 27-17. to um, Man, a few things that was definitely concerning or has been concerning to me about the Packers, especially Aaron Rodgers, is the missed throws, man. There are so many missed throws and opportunities for the Packers to come back and win this game. Um, however, Aaron uh, missed a lot of throws high, a lot of throws low. And then on top of that, um, then the, um, there are some of the wide receivers that simply just dropped him. I mean, overall, it's been a complete crap show in Green Bay and this goes back to the organization by allowing Devontae Adams to, um, well, for the organization to trade Devontae Adams. My thing is, though, I would have, I would definitely would have, like, I would definitely would have locked them up. And honestly, they could have had this thing situated last year. However, matter of the year before, however, they allowed Devontae Adams to go into, um, I'm sorry, last year, they, they, could have uh, broken the break for Devontae Adams, especially. All right, and if you're going to get rid of, let Aaron Rodgers eventually walk or let him retire. I mean, at least you could have let uh, Love at least have Devontae Adams, somebody to at least he can throw to. But 
it is what it is. And honestly, I really feel in the sense the Packers have also done Aaron Rodgers a great disservice by not by not replacing um, talent that had left the building. I mean, man, this mind you, this is the same quarterback who had Jermichael Finley, Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, James Jones. And Randall Cobb. True, Randall Cobb came back, and as well as James Jones came back, and I believe in 2015. However, they are not the supplemental parts. Also, mind you, they also had Jordy Nelson. I forgot about that. And you also had Devontae Adams. The Packers had so many opportunities to go up in the draft, get a legit number one target for Aaron Rodgers to at least keep up this open the Super Bowl window. However, due to the fact that they have not um, given out the um, have not given uh, allocated the the proper resources to a wide receiver, you're now seeing what's been bestowed upon you with these wide receivers. I mean, um, wide receivers. I mean, and the thing is, though, they're young, and so when you're young, you gotta have growing pains. And with Aaron Rodgers, it's like he doesn't have time. He doesn't have that time for these receivers to mature. These these dudes they need to get it get it together and keep it going. If they want the Packers are really serious about keeping open up this Super Bowl window, um, Jordan Love drafting Jordan Love that was a big mistake by the Packers because one it alienated your your franchise quarterback. That's number one. Number two, there are so many wide receivers that Aaron Rodgers could have used. I mean this like I said I've, I've harped on this. This goes back to like the Henry Ruggs, the the Jerry Judys. Um, the Justin Jeffersons. I mean, the Packers had an opportunity to get a number of legit wide receivers, and they passed on them. And right now, we're we're now seeing we're seeing what they're doing coming to fruition. Now, onto the Titans. I mean, the Titans have continuously have been one of those um, just consistent teams. I mean, they're seven and two. They're leading their division, and they're or more than likely are going to win that division because I mean, the the AFC South is is beyond is below marginal at this point. I mean, the next closest is the Indianapolis Colts at four, six and one. So basically Tennessee is going to win this division fairly easy. Um, should that def- will definitely have a home playoff game and depending on the matchup, they should be able to advance. So yeah, definitely some rough times definitely going for the Packers. However, the Titans are continuously moving on up and now they have a, uh, they face, uh, they're going on the road once again. Uh, well, I'm sorry. No, they're at home to face the Bengals, and I'll get into that in a moment. Uh, moving on, uh, the Eagles. Eagles after um, the previous um, the loss the previous week, they bounced back. The bounce back was real. Coming from behind, coming from behind effort to beat the Indianapolis Colts, 17 to 16. Uh, Jalen Hurts was the man, and has definitely, in my opinion, vaulted to um, the top of the MVP discussion with Patrick Mahomes. Um, I think those two were really separating themselves, and I'll get into Pat Mahomes in a minute. Because he had a virtuoso performance, especially in the fourth quarter of the game against the Chargers. But Jalen Hurts um, basically put the Eagles on his back, a struggling ball club, and did what they needed to do to get the win. This is key for the Eagles as they were able to stay ahead of the Minnesota Vikings and keep a two-game lead over the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC East. Um, speaking of the NFC East, the New York Football Giants, the surprising New York Football Giants, who are seven and three, they face. Um, <clears throat> they um they took a they took a major glee L against the Detroit Lions at home 
nonetheless. And it was an ugly performance. Daniel Jones uh, with the turnovers, they could not get Saquon Barkley involved. So the Giants definitely took an L. The Giants um, took an L, and now they face Dallas this week on Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving uh, Thursday. Uh, speaking of the Cowboys, they completely beat the living hell out of the Minnesota Vikings on the road uh, by the score of forty to three. Um, this is arguably this is um, the biggest margin of victory on the road by the Dallas Cowboys as in their franchise history. And honestly, when I saw the uh, the score uh, twenty to three, I already, I already figured that this game was over. Kirk Cousins is not going to lead. Is not going to be the one to galvanize the team and lead them from behind. I'm sorry. And basically, Dallas did whatever they want in this game, and you definitely saw the pure dominance that Dallas had over them. I mean, defensively, offensively, and special teams, being Brett Maher over there kicking 60-yard field goals and stuff. And so, Dallas, yeah, they uh, moved ahead of the Giants in terms of due to the fact that they swept them um, during the regular season. And um, down in and now on to Sunday Night Football was arguably one of the better games that played this season where the Kansas City Chiefs beat the L.A. Chargers um, in a, in a um, come-from-behind effort because this game, this was, this game went back and forth. Um, the Chiefs, uh, Patty Mahomes was, whoo-hoo, Patty, me, there's this so, there's not enough, there's so many things you can say about Pat Mahomes, but this performance right here was was mastery um Travis Kelsey is showing why he is vaulting to the top of tight ends in NFL history um this this dude is is a bull this dude continues to ball out and yeah Travis Kelsey is that guy still the best tight end in the league and he continues to get better and better and honestly this duel right here I mean, I know the loss of Tyreek Hill was huge. However, as long as they kept that Mahomes, the Kelsey connection going, it's always there's always going to be good things going on with the Chiefs. So yeah, Patrick Mahomes uh, basically did his thing during the final drive and let the Chiefs from behind on a six play, seventy five yard drive, which culminated in a um, <clears throat> in a TD pass to Travis Kelsey, and yeah. The, um, the Chargers, I mean, and the Chargers basically blew an opportunity to at least close the gap a little bit in the NFC West. However, everybody thought that this NFC West was going to be arguably the best. Basically, what everybody thought was the AFC, everybody thought the AFC West was going to be what the NFC East was. And lo and behold, I mean, the AFC West has been definitely underwhelming. And I'll definitely get into the standings in a moment. But moving on to Monday night, where the 49ers continue to play well um, since the, um, the acquisition of Christian McCaffrey, which definitely opens a lot of doors for what they want to do. Because, of course, Kyle Shanahan doesn't like to have just one player be able to f- just focus, solely focus on one position. No, I mean, he has McCaffrey who can play out of the slot. Debo can play in the backfield. I mean, they're so versatile and arguably probably the team that not a lot of people want to face come playoff time because for one, they're they're a physical team. They can do it both in the air and on the ground. And like I said, Kyle Shannon has one of the better play callers in the NFL. So, you know, San Francisco is looking very nice at this moment. So uh, with that being said, let's look into some of the games that are taking place this weekend. And first of all, on Thanksgiving, um, thanks, once again, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. 
but we were definitely treated to an early Thanksgiving uh, Thanksgiving game with the Lions and the Bills. Um, this game, for the most part, was dominated by the Lions, and they definitely had it. They definitely had their chances. However, I mean, when a team like that, I mean, they're constantly going to shoot themselves in the foot. The Lions did that multiple times because they had chances to really put the Bills away. However, Buffalo, doing being the experienced team that they are, was able to kind of overcome that. I mean, shout out to Josh Allen, um, come from behind effort. Uh, he drove his team um, to tie and then got the ball back and drove him for the win. Um, superb. It was, it was a, a superb drive. It was a man. You can't really describe Josh Allen. I mean, he I me mean, like I said, it was it was low key Pat Mahoney ish. <laughs> but uh, overall, I mean, like I said, and um, Josh Allen, he drove four uh, four plays, forty eight yards in twenty one seconds to set up uh, to set up Bass for a forty five yard field goal to uh, to that ultimately that ultimately won the game. So the Bills they moved to eight and three. The Lions moved to four and seven. Um, next up, we have the battle in the NFC East, where the New York Football Giants take on the Dallas Cowboys. Um, personally, I really don't think that this is going to be much of a game. Um, definitely would like the Giants to really make a game of it. Um, Dallas, right now, like I say, coming off the brutal beatdown of Minnesota, they're fi- pretty much almost firing on all cylinders right now. Dak Prescott um, is playing well. The, um, Tony Pollard has become that spice to that offense. Uh, this dude can do it both um, in the ground and um, out of the backfield. Dallas is definitely definitely trying to make a Super Bowl push, but we'll see what happens. Um, the Giants, um, my thing is, though, I just don't think they have enough to keep up because Dallas is going to score. Mind you, the Giants, they do have a solid defense, but Dallas is going to score. Can the Giants do enough to keep this game competitive, grind, grinding the ball out, taking the air out of the ball, basically playing old school 90s Giants football, 80s and 90s football by possessing the clock, playing ball control offense, keeping that Dallas team uh, offense off the field. That remains to be that, that remains to be seen. I mean, because Dak has won the last nine meetings that he's played with the Giants. Um, I definitely expect Dallas to win this game pretty convincingly. And Thursday night. We have the Minnesota Vikings coming off that humiliating beatdown by the Cowboys. They face the New England Patriots in Minnesota. Um, I believe Minnesota should be able to come from behind and um, well, should be able to win this game. Because for one, Minnesota, they do have the requisite weapons to put up points. However, Coach Belichick, you know, he definitely has some, has a scheme devised to, to take Justin Jefferson or any of those players out of the game. So it's really going to be up to New England's offense to be able to put up points because you know their defense is going to be solid. But but with that being said, I mean, I have I have the, um, the Vikings winning. I mean, the Patriots are coming off that miraculous punt return to beat the Jets uh, last week. I just don't think they just have enough to beat the Vikings. Um, moving on to Sunday, uh, two games that are definitely intriguing to me is a rematch of the last year's divisional round matchup where the Cincinnati Bengals um, go on the road to take on the Tennessee Titans. Uh, this is a matchup of def- of a, a possible playoff rematch because both teams are playing very well. Um, both both teams have a uh, definitely have well. The, I definitely know. That I just stated earlier that the Titans definitely do have a shot at winning their division. The Ravens, I'm sorry, the Bengals are a game behind the Ravens. So, with uh, with another matchup uh, looming, 
So this is definitely going to be key, um, a key matchup and for AFC playoff pushing and uh, AFC playoff seeding. So, yeah, definitely can't wait for that game. And moving on to Sunday night, the Philadelphia Eagles take on the Green Bay Packers. Uh, like I stated earlier, the Packers are kind of in a shambles. Um, the Eagles, um, coming off their first loss, were able to um, um, put it all together in the fourth quarter and squeak by the Indianapolis Colts. I think the Eagles should be able to pull this game out because Green Bay, aside from the running game, um, Aaron Rodgers also does have a broken thumb. So we'll see what uh, how he's able to adjust and handle that. And on top of that, of course, when you have a broken thumb, defenders are definitely going to be looking for that strip. So it's definitely going to be important for Aaron to take that thumb. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, moving on to the NFC, uh, NFL standings right now. Um, right now in the AFC East, you have the Buffalo Bills uh, with the game um, with the uh, with the one game lead over. I'm sorry, with the uh, half a game lead over Miami. Uh, Miami has already won the earlier matchup, and they have a big one coming up um, in a couple weeks in Buffalo, followed by the Patriots. And the Jets, uh, oh, I mean, the AFC East is very competitive this year. I mean, we, I haven't seen the AFC East this competitive in, in, in decades. Uh, followed up by the AFC North, where you have the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm sorry, the uh, Baltimore Ravens, who have a 7-3 record. Followed up by the Ravens, and the Browns and the Steelers are basically tied in the cellar. Uh, the Tennessee Titans, uh, they're 7-3. Like I said, they'll definitely uh, win that division, bar some unforeseen collapse. Um, follow that followed up by the Indianapolis Colts, who are four and six. Jags, uh, Jacksonville and Houston basically are just kind of rounding it out. The AFC West, which my opinion has definitely been very underwhelming this season. You got the Chiefs with a three-game lead over the Chargers and the Raiders and the Broncos. And God, my goodness, what the heck happened to the Broncos this year? I mean, man, Russ De is definitely not cooking in the Mile High State. I can tell you that. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett is definitely showing his inexperience as a head coach, I honestly think he'll be fired by season's end. Uh, moving on to the NFC, you have the Philadelphia Eagles with a two-game lead over the Cowboys and the Giants. You got the Washington Commanders who are coming on, who are now 6-5. and five. Um, This could be the one year where um, a division has all four participants make, making the playoffs. Now, that would be neat for the NFC East, how as everybody has been down on our division this year. So it's definitely good to see that. It's definitely good to see that. I mean, I haven't seen the NFC East this competitive since maybe the 80s. And so, yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to have uh, some definitely important matches coming up to decide that. Uh, the NFC North uh, basically belongs to the Vikings. I mean, they have a five-game lead over their closest uh, competitors, which is the Lions and um, and the Packers. The Bears are just sitting there at three and eight, so they're basically done. Justin Fields has a separated shoulder. We really don't know the extent of how long he'll be, uh, he'll be out, even though I um, I believe it was it was his non-throwing shoulder, so he may still be able to play. I just definitely am concerned about further damaging that shoulder. Uh, the A the NFC uh, South, of course. Um, a lot of us had the Buccaneers basically just kind of cakewalking this, through this division. However, at five and five, they're basically right there with the Atlanta Falcons, who are five and six, and the New Orleans Saints and the Carolina Panthers. Basically, nothing much is really expected from them this season. Uh, the NFC South, I man, I'm sorry, the NFC West. It looks like it's going to come down to a possible two-team race between Seattle and San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco has already beaten Seattle earlier this year. And they have a they have a big matchup coming up on um, December 15th, and that's a Thursday night game. So 
a lot of things are going to be decided during that matchup. Uh, the Cardinals, uh, they're trying to get back into the playoff race. However, I really don't see that happening. Uh, I definitely believe this may be the end of the line of uh, Cliff Kingsbury and the LA Rams, uh, the defending Super Bowl champion. Uh, this could possibly be the worst defending Super Bowl champion of all time because they are sitting there at three and seven. And so moving on to some other NFL news. Um and I just spoke of the LA Rams. I mean, man, the biggest, uh, one of the biggest news this season is how they have severe, it's been a severe Super Bowl hangover by them. Um, I've seen some Super Bowl hangovers before, but this might be one of the worst ones I've ever seen. The Rams have definitely been banged up with injuries, um, losing, um, possibly lose, um, losing OBJ. I doubt if he goes back there, replace him with Allen Robinson, who just for some reason just could not click with Matt Stafford. Cooper Cup uh, was having another solid season before ultimately um, injuring his knee. He's out for the season. The whole Cam Akers uh, scenario, that that definitely kind of threw this team for a loop. And then they just released uh, their other running back, Daryl Henderson. So, yeah, I mean, the Rams, um, I definitely didn't expect this. I definitely expected for at least to be battling for the division. We all know how difficult it is to repeat as Super Bowl champions. But I did not see this coming, especially with, like, um, the weapons that they have on offense, offense, offensive side and defensive side. Um, moving on, Aaron Rodgers, I, like I stated earlier, he does have a broken thumb. Um, for a very underwhelming Packers season. Um, I haven't seen a Packers season like this since whew, maybe like the end, maybe like 2006 or something, 2005, like like those like last few years of Brett Favre. Ugh. And I haven't seen Aaron play this bad since maybe 2015 when Jordy Nelson tore his ACL and was out for the season. Aaron didn't really have much back there. I mean, he had a second year Devontae Adams who hadn't become Devontae Adams. And so, no, the Packers are definitely sitting there. They're definitely sitting there, uh, sitting there at 4-7. and seven. Aaron was able to somehow muster a great performance against Dallas. Um, one of the things that I'm definitely looking at this season, I kind of thought about it uh, maybe earlier, maybe about, about a month, a couple of months ago. We definitely could be seeing the end of Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Um, one of the things that I could definitely see happening is Somehow the Raiders and Packers come to terms on some type of deal, which would send Aaron Rodgers to Vegas so they can pair that pair him with Devontae Adams, because I really believe the Raiders are they're done with uh, Cooper Cup. Shout out to my boy Mike Staff on his podcast, because he has consistently told us about how bad Derek Carr is. And yeah, it's not good. Definitely not good. Um, so um, another important news and, and something that's definitely has been kind of been tracked over the past maybe three or four weeks is where will OBJ land Odell Beckham as you all know um, was injured during the Super Bowl for the Rams last season and was having a tremendous game before tearing his um, ACL now OBJ's back um, he appears to be healthy he's been medically cleared by the doctors to resume uh football activities and now the thing is oh where will he sign um there's a few teams that could definitely use his services i mean the kansas city chiefs the baltimore ravens especially the buffalo bills the kansas city chiefs and the dallas cowboys um a, a lot of signs are pointing to the cowboys possibly signing him um as well as and 
I believe I believe in my heart. I believe he'll go to Dallas, maybe second Buffalo, Kansas City third. And after that, yeah, I really believe he should go to the Ravens because they desperately need a legitimate passing threat. However, can OBJ can OBJ do what OBJ does? However, I believe he can because I mean this young man, he's ultra talented. Uh, he definitely has he definitely has the desire to do so. However, I mean two ACL injuries, man, that's gonna that's definitely difficult to overcome. I believe in Dallas, I think um, him getting to if he was able to get to Dallas, I believe he'll have he'll be able to kind of settle in as possibly a number three wide receiver behind CD Lamb. Michael Gallup and maybe just slide OBJ in there and yeah it's definitely key I mean if they if they can sign him that'll definitely kind of boost their odds uh, to make it to the Super Bowl however I think still the road to the Super Bowl goes through Philadelphia and I think Philadelphia has an inside track to that so um, with that being said hey I'm gonna take a quick break and I'll be right back with you Alright everybody, everybody. So huge shout out to the Houston Nationals for winning the World Series. Um, this is their second in franchise history as they knocked off the Philadelphia Phillies in six. Um I honestly had the Phillies winning this series in six, but hey Houston made a joke out of me. Especially after Philadelphia won in game one and game three. And the way that they won in game three, um man. It was just, it just seemed like it was a matter of time before there's going to be a parade going down Broad Street. But hats off, hats off to the Astros because what they did in games four, five, and six was strangle the Phillies with their pitching. Um, it was an overall dominant performance. Uh, probably one of the better pitching performances I've seen because, I mean, the Phillies could not get nothing going in game in the, the rest of the series. And so, shout out to shout out to the um, the Astros. Shout out to Dusty Baker for getting that long-awaited World Series uh, ring as a manager. Um, he's already won um, World Series as a um, as a player. I believe this definitely cements him as one of the greats of all great coaches of all time. Honestly, you know what? Let me change that. I don't believe he needed that to, um, to be submitted because, I mean, for the work that he did in San Francisco, um, Chicago, and now um, Houston, I mean, he definitely has submitted himself as one of the better coaches in Major League Baseball history. But this right there, to me, is like a cherry on the Sunday for him. And from what I'm hearing, that he'll definitely be back next season as the Astros look to defend their World Series title. So, once again, hats off to them. Moving on, moving on. We got some college, college, college football. You have number one. Uh, right now, the, uh, right now, um, the, the rankings go as this. You have the Georgia Bulldogs, the defending national uh, uh, national champion. They're 11 and 0 after beating Kentucky last week. Number two is unfortunately that school from the South after beating Maryland. They remain they remain at number two. Michigan, after squeaking by Illinois, they are three, number three. TCU, TCU, man, definitely a surprise for, um, in this college football season. They are number four on the year. And if if the season was um, were to end today, this would be 
the BCS title state uh, BCS playoffs um, results. So, but unfortunately, there's a, there's two teams that need to play, and I'll get into that in a moment. And finally, rounding out the top five, you have LSU. Speaking of the two teams that needs to play, Michigan and that school to the south, they play in quote unquote the game on Saturday. And unfortunately, I will say Michigan and Ohio State. Um, right now, Ohio State is a seven and a half point favorite um, in their own building. Michigan leads the all-time series 59 to 51 in six ties. The last matchup last year, Michigan beating Ohio State 42 to 27, which snapped an eight-game winning streak for the Wolverines against the Buckeyes. Um, the last time uh, both teams have come into a matchup this highly anticipated, they both were 11 and 0 this year, just like it was during the quote-unquote game of the century back in 2006. Um, man, that is one of the the most memorable football games that I can remember. I mean, aside from uh, USC and Texas, this game is probably one of the more memorable games because, like I said, both teams in 2006 came in undefeated, and it was a track meet uh, the entire in the entire game. Unfortunately, the school to the south ended up prevailing on their home field. And basically, I mean, this the the scene is set. The scene is set. I mean, both teams are eleven and zero. Both teams are playing fairly well. Um, just really depend on the injuries to Michigan because they definitely did suffer some injuries um, against Illinois. So it's definitely going to be important for them to maintain that and definitely keep their keep their poise. Definitely keep their poise during this game. Because Ohio State, I mean, they can put up points in a hurry. I mean, they're averaging 46 points per game. However, Michigan averages is averaging 39 points per game. And both teams are solid on defense. Ohio State is um, gives up 16.9 points per game defensively, whereas Michigan gives up only 11.7. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how this game goes. Will it be another track meet like in 2006? Could this game become a defensive slugfest? I don't know. I don't know. Um, overall, um, the last time Michigan won in Columbus was back in 2000. And this game is definitely important in a number uh, for a number of ways. Like I said, they're both 11 and 0. And if Michigan were to win this game, the Wolverines will win uh, <clears throat> the Big Ten East and position themselves as the, the Big Ten's top playoff contender. Ohio State would need... Georgia to run the table and beat LSU, eliminating the possibility of two um, SEC uh, teams. And and it would also help the Buckeyes tremendously if Notre Dame beats USC and knocks out one of the Pac-12 uh, Pac teams. Ohio State uh, will be banking on wins against Notre Dame and Penn State to impress the, the selection committee and to in order to get into the playoff and maybe getting in aside from a team from the ACC, basically meaning Clemson. Um, the Buckeyes would win the Big Ten East and emerge, and emerge as the league's top playoff contender. Michigan would need its win against number 11 Penn State and Gamefield to trump a Power 5 conference champion. Much like Ohio State, Michigan needs Georgia to win the SEC, eliminating LSU, and the possibility of having two SEC teams in there. <clears throat> also, they will also need USC to lose to Notre Dame 
and eliminate a Pac-10 powerhouse. So um, the only the, like the, probably like Michigan's biggest issue is his non-conference schedule. They face teams like Colorado State, or Hawaii, and UConn, and yeah, that's definitely one of the weakest in um, in the F- FBS. And right now, Michigan is number four in the ESPN strength record uh, metric, while Clemson is number six. If Michigan were to lose, it would have four wins against teams currently ranked in the top 40 of the P uh, in the FPI. So, and those basically those wins came from Penn State, Illinois, Iowa, and Maryland. And for those uh, those two, yeah, those um, those those should definitely help. And so, this is a big game. This is definitely a big game. Um, me personally, I have the game Michigan 34, Ohio State 31. And I know it's a homer pick. I know it's a homer pick, but you know what? Hey, let's go for it. Hey, why not? Why not get a win in Columbus? And so with that being said, hey, I'm gonna take a quick break and I'll be right back. on to the NBA um, we're going to basically start off with a team that me hey everybody else talks about is the 5-11 and 11 LA Lakers um, yeah the Lakers are sitting there floundering uh, they're 5-11 after losing to Phoenix the other day however one good encouraging sign is the play of Anthony Davis um, he's coming off a 30-15 and 15 point 30.15 uh, rebound game against Phoenix um, in his last in his, um, his last four games AD is averaging 35, 18, two blocks, and two assists, and shooting 62% from the field. This is Anthony Davis is playing like the generational talent that a lot of us expected him to play. Um, he's the he's the only person in 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 NBA history to average those numbers over a four-game span, let alone on uh, the level of efficiency that he's been playing with. Um, <clears throat> for the season, he's averaging 26, two, and uh, 26, 12, and two. And shooting 56% from the field. One good thing about AD, what he's doing is that he's calmed down, jacking up threes. I mean, he's playing more from um, from the mid-range game as well as down in the post. And the Lakers are definitely will be benefiting from that if they can kind of get this thing turned around. Uh, AD is um is just one of 13 players since the 99-2000 season to average 37. 21 uh, 30 uh, to have a 37-point game, a 21 rebound game. In the same season, only Demarcus Cousins has done it. Shaq, AD, MB, and Carl Anthony Towns are the only ones to do it more than once in that span. Um, of course, Will Chamberlain did it 290 times. My God. <laughs> however, I mean the biggest concern is always about AD's health. I mean he's playing well. However, you always kind of as a Laker fan or. Uh, a fan of a team that is playing for, you always have to kind of wait for that other shoe to drop in terms of injuries. I mean, them soft tissue injuries. I mean, he and Kawhi both, I mean, my goodness, they, they, I, like they, they've had more time on the injury list than anybody. And it just sucks that, I mean, these two talented players just can never really get it together in terms of health. Now, like I say, it looks like AD, like I said, I mean, he's turned the corner a little bit. We'll, uh, we'll see definitely what happens as the season moves along because, I mean, what, it's only November. So, I mean, you got all the way to April and May to um, to stay healthy. So, we'll see what happens with that. 
Um, my thing is how would all this affect when LeBron James comes back? Because LeBron is expected, I believe, come back today or tomorrow. I know they play the Spurs and they're kind of penciling those games when he um, he'll be back. Um, I want like would AD will LeBron start deferring more to AD, which I believe he I believe ultimately I think he will because I think LeBron is. Um, looking at this as though, hey, look, he has, like, this is my Scotty Pippen. This is a guy where I can lean on, especially in my in my, in my my latter years in the league. I mean, this guy is definitely going to be the one to take the mantle of Laker leadership from him and take it into his hands. And so I think LeBron will probably sag back a little bit. However, he'll kind of make it, he'll kind of make himself known if the Lakers, um, especially down the stretch and um, when he needs to, because as we all know, LeBron is chasing Kareem uh, and he's about a little bit over a thousand and I believe 74, 70 some points away from catching and passing Kareem. And so that's, um, I'm definitely willing to see how that comes into equation because it looks like he's probably going to happen maybe around the 40th, 40th, 45th game of the season just really depends on injuries and it could be one of the things where LeBron gets it on the road. Um, for those who don't remember, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar also broke Kareem um, Will Chamberlain uh, past Will Chamberlain as the NBA all-time leading scorer on the road. And it's funny, he did against the Utah Jazz. However, it didn't happen in Utah. It happened in Vegas. <laughs> because, like, for those who don't remember, I mean, like, throughout the season, like, there are certain teams that will play in different parts of the region. Like, uh, like the Utah at times will play in Vegas. Boston will play in Hartford. Uh, the Bullets will play, I believe, in like in Maryland and not not Maryland, but they will play in um, maybe like Baltimore or something like that. So um, the Hawks sometimes like they'll play in like where will the Hawks play at? I believe like St. Louis or they'll play like in they'll travel maybe to New Orleans or something. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean back in back in like the eight like the early to mid eighties, yeah, you would have teams that would play in like different arenas for the as their like their home game away from their home city. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. Um but yeah, I mean it would definitely be a nice gesture if LeBron was to break it at the Staples Center. But hey, we'll see what happens with that. I believe uh the Lakers bat uh brass would kind of maneuver some things to where LeBron it'll be like a certain like a home a home stretch uh, a stretch of games at home where LeBron will have a great shot at breaking that record so we'll see what happens um, right now with the NBA standings um, definitely um, definitely um, some some movement going on around there um, you have uh, the Boston Celtics who are um, basically atop of uh, the Eastern Conference followed by the Bucks. I mean the Bucks have definitely had like a little mini slide since that impressive start to the season um, I definitely do believe that they are starting to miss Chris Middleton a little bit as a secondary score to uh, to Giannis and then you have the surprising Cleveland Cavaliers who are 12 and 6 with Spider Mitchell followed by the Atlanta Falcons um, why I say Falcons Atlanta Hawks Indiana Pacers and Washington uh, Wizards uh, to uh, round out the top six. Then you have teams like New York and Toronto uh, with the top eight. Um, definitely some surprises down there, such as Philadelphia, Brooklyn, Chicago, and Miami are, are not in the top eight. Um, I know it's early and there's some adjustments need to be made. However, um, definitely wasn't expecting this type of start for uh, those teams who were uh, entrenched in the playoff a year ago. Uh, moving out west, you have the Phoenix Suns, who once again are 
are leading the Western Conference, <coughs> excuse me, uh, with 11 wins and six losses, followed up by Denver, 11 and seven. The surprising New Orleans Pelicans, I mean, they have all that talent, but definitely wasn't expected for them to have the record that they have at the moment. And another surprising team, the Utah Jazz, 12 and eight on the season. Um, definitely surprised about that. I mean, a lot of people thought that this would be a rebuilding year for Utah. However, they're making it known um, that hey, look, hey, we're definitely looking to be a part of this playoff. Then you got the LA, um, you got the Sacramento Kings, another surprise team. I mean, the, the Kings haven't made the playoffs since I believe 2005 or something. So it's been a minute. And then you have teams like uh, Portland. I mean, uh, Portland, who is number nine. I mean, they had a, they definitely had a rough season last year. But I mean, they're like number nine in the West. And then you have teams like Golden State and the Lakers, who are definitely not playing their best basketball go to state nine and ten i'm definitely wondering if the altercation between jordan on um between jordan jordan Poole and draymond green has something to do with this slow start or the fact of the matter is that i mean go to state they're really trying to pace themselves and trying to get the young players involved or could it just be one of those things where hey defending nba champ is definitely is having um is definitely struggling against teams that have put them into the crossfires. And so, um, like I said, I mean, it's definitely a lot of seasons to be played. I mean, we're only, what, maybe like 20 games into the season. However, um, teams may need to start getting some things moving in order to kind of get position themselves for, uh, for a playoff spot. So moving on, moving on, moving on. Um, one of the things that has been kind of funny, in my opinion, is the ongoing beef between Isaiah Thomas and Michael Jordan. For some reason, I don't know why this thing keeps popping up. I mean, Isaiah hasn't played in the NBA since 94. Mike hasn't played in the league since 2003. However, this this rivalry keeps um, keeps boiling, uh, keeps coming up. For those who don't know, I mean, Zeke and Mike, two of the greatest players to ever play the game. I call Michael Jordan the greatest uh, basketball player of all time. I say Isaiah Thomas, in my opinion, to me, is the second greatest point guard in the NBA. And honestly, if I had to choose one, I would actually uh, choose Isaiah to run my team over Magic. For some reason, I just like Isaiah's grittiness. I always, always love that about him. Um, two players who definitely have some type of have connection to the city of Chicago Isaiah was born and raised in the inner city of Chicago Michael Jordan of course played for the Chicago Bulls from 1984 to 1998 and I believe it's one of those things where Isaiah was king of uh, was king of Chicago and it was like that for a number of years from when he was in high school to um and when he went out to college, even though he went to Indiana, I mean, Isaiah was always seen as a hero in Chicago. However, you get this kid coming in from North Carolina who was able to do things nobody could do in this league and takes over and dazzles the city of Chicago and leads them to ultimately six championships. You're going to get a little resentful. You're going to get resentful. I don't care what anybody says. You are going to feel a little bit resentful because you're like, hey, I'm the king. I'm the king of basketball. And you're going to let this uh, this guy who's not even from here take over my spot. Now, mind you, Isaiah played for the Pistons, basically to the north of Chicago. And it was a rivalry. And 
it's crazy because this rivalry has lasted this long, even though both players have not played in over 20 plus years. And it's like, dude, let it go. I know Isaiah was butthurt over Michael Jordan in the last dance saying that, hey, I don't care what anybody says, he's still an asshole. And this isn't the first time um, somebody has spoken ill will about Isaiah Thomas because, of course, Isaiah has had his moments where his where things didn't really shine the best upon him. Um, you have the whole uh, situation with the CBA where he allowed that lead to go under. Um, Isaiah has also, has, um, and a number of players have stated that Isaiah has had some little sneaky moments where he has maybe said something behind people's back or do, do or done little dirty things on the court. And a lot of people don't really don't really rock with Zeke. And even Magic Johnson, for the longest, he and him, him and Isaiah were at odds for years. And Magic, I know Magic was disappointed because Isaiah was saying some things possibly about him and his sexual orientation after Magic came out with HIV back in 92. And I know Magic was kind of like on the outs with Zeke. I mean, true, yeah, they were kind of um, faking for the camera by doing their little kiss and whatnot. And is what it is but I mean for the most part I mean Magic really wasn't rocking with what I say for the longest so I mean yeah I mean my thing is though Mike and Zeke they're 60 plus years old man let that mess go Zeke you're not getting that apology from Mike because Zeke I mean still running around with Mike on the mind while Mike is just sitting there in Florida just fishing and living his best life and another thing that I've, I've noticed over the past maybe four or five years is Isaiah taking little shots at Mike. He definitely has, and especially as LeBron James has ascended into into the GOAT conversation. And Isaiah has definitely have shaded Michael on multiple occasions. And yeah, Mike, um, Isaiah, I mean, I remember back in... Um, 1998 and my friend I'll, I'll, I'll give you even two I'm three examples Isaiah Thomas in 1989 was on the Arsenio Hall show and Isaiah was glowing and gushing about Mike saying man Ayers that one he's that one he's the greatest one of the greatest players I the greatest players I've ever seen he said it there he said it during um, an interview during Game 5 of the 93 NBA Finals where Michael and the Bulls were on the verge of 3 peeing. Remember, it was him, Magic Johnson, and Bob Costas for an interview. And Isaiah, I mean, basically pushing Magic to Michael to the heavens, saying, hey, this is the greatest player of all time because of his stamina and his endurance. Whereas, like, in, I'm, like I say, Isaiah even said, hey, the thing that um, was a hindrance to Magic and Zeke was they were injured Isaiah uh, Magic pulled his hamstring during the uh, the 89 finals Isaiah busted up during the the run to the 91 Eastern Conference finals which they ultimately lost to the Bulls and yeah he wasn't able to three-peat so Isaiah's also has taken shot at the Bulls being whiners and one of the they stated that the Bulls were one of the more whiny teams in the NBA I mean it is what it is and I will say this, Mike has also been very complimentary to Isaiah's game, where he has stated that 
um, Isaiah is the greatest point, second greatest point guard in the in the in NBA history behind Magic Johnson, and I definitely do agree with that. And Mike and Isaiah, I mean, for some reason, like they always had great chemistry on the court when they're playing with each other on All Star games. I mean, you can see like the number of assists that Mike that Isaiah has fed Michael during games. I mean, man, like I say, you can see it from. And then, of course, I mean, you also have the, the alleged freeze-out game back in 1985 where Michael, and there's rumors that Isaiah Thomas, along with Magic Johnson and George Gervin, kind of froze him out, which at times, like, they both denied it. However, their Michael has stated that, yes, it, this, I believe this definitely did happen. And that that's when that's in a sense was the start of their rivalry and then as the Pistons start to ascend they became the dominant team knocking off Boston then they were and then eventually here comes Chicago and Detroit was where Boston was at the top dog in the east Chicago trying to ascend and trying to knock them off so it became very contentious between these two franchises to try to get past one another I mean the Bulls lost um, in 88 in five games in the semifinals to the Pistons the Pistons will go on to lose to the finals however gained the experience Chicago in the 89 playoffs um, beat Detroit in the in the Eastern Conference Finals Detroit beats them in six goes on to beat the Lakers for the title 90 Chicago's is even better however Detroit the defending NBA champion knocks off the Bulls in um in a seven game in seven games at the Palace to win and to move on to, and ultimately win their second consecutive NBA title 1991 comes the Bulls are the are now record-wise the top dog in the East the East goes through Chicago Detroit comes in banged up beaten up through an injury plague season and a player in a and a very difficult playoff run, Chicago sweeps Detroit. And before Game Four was over, the Pistons walked off the court. Now I've heard so many stories, whereas uh, Bill Lambert said it was his idea. Mark Aguirre said, "Well, no, it was it was his idea." Isaiah, of course, he he took the brunt of the. He took the brunt of the um, of the slander because, of course, he is the leader of that team. He is the spokesperson. He is the leader and the man for that particular for that team. And so that um, I believe that was also one of the reasons why Isaiah was ultimately not on the 92 Dream Team, which honestly, I believe he should have. However, I, it really wouldn't have made that big of a difference. But I think one of the things where like Isaiah really wanted to get his flowers and be a part of that team. However, you know what? It is what it is. And yeah. Yeah. Um, Isaiah wasn't on. Stockton was. And there's definitely some controversy behind that. And especially like the 92 season where um, after the first time Isaiah and Stockton best, um, matched up during the 91-92 season, Isaiah busted him up for 40, I think 44 that game. And then, however, the next time they played in Utah, Carl Malone, Isaiah went to the basket and Carl Malone elbowed Isaiah in the head, which caused, I think, about 12, 13 stitches above his eye. And, yeah. <laughs> hey, that's how it was back in then. Hey, 
Carl Malone say, look, I'm about to send the message to this cat. You ain't going to bust up my teammate again. So, um, yeah, that basically is the rivalry. And the thing is, though, like I said before, I mean, Isaiah on multiple occasions have called, has called Michael Jordan the greatest basketball player of all time. He has said it multiple times on TV, and it definitely during 1998, um, when um, he was on, um, he was doing telecasts for NBC and covered a, a number of Bulls games that season. Has stated on record that Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time. Um, however, over the past maybe five to seven years, that has changed. Um, I've seen Isaiah call LeBron the greatest player of all time. I've seen him call Kareem, Bill Russell. Okay, now and this is where I have an issue. Now, all right, if you're going to say LeBron is better, cool. I can, I can, I can get it. I can, I can understand why you would say that because Mike has been long gone. LeBron is that next guy. However, you have flip-flopped and stated multiple times that, oh, I believe it's Bill Russell. Oh, I believe it was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Mind you, neither one of them have played um, Bill Russell hasn't played since like the 60s. Kareem has not played since 89. You have stated that Michael Jordan in 98 was the greatest player of all time and have said that countless times afterwards. What has Kareem or Bill Russell done for you to now all of a sudden put them over Mike? I mean, neither one of them can come out of re- uh, came out of retirement to change anything. So what really changed? I believe it's just sour grapes. I mean, I'm, I believe personally Isaiah had Kareem and Russell as number one, number two before Mike came along. And of course, Isaiah getting caught up in what Mike's doing and having appreciation for his game called him the greatest player of all time. Now, like I said, Sour Grapes comes along. Oh, no, 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 no. This dude is not acknowledging me or calling me asshole. Nah, nah. Bill Russell and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar are the greatest players of all time. And I've even seen Isaiah throw other players ahead of Mike. So, you know what? To me, it's sour grapes. I really think this foolery just needs to end. Like I said, Zeke is not getting that public apology from Michael. And, yeah, and Michael hasn't spoken, like I said, really since the last dance or, or anything like that. So, I definitely don't expect for him to say anything anytime soon. And, honestly, I be surprised if we hear anything public from Michael Jordan for for a while so with that being said everybody that brings us to a close of another episode of the 310 podcast um if you want to get in contact with the show you can hit me up at the 310 podcast at gmail.com as well as find me on twitter at mr kmart 81 and so with that being said I'll catch you with you later peace